Uh, If you would, open with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Uh, We're continuing our series looking at the parables of Jesus. And next week is our final week uh, as we uh, conclude looking at these stories that Jesus would tell uh, to communicate a, a spiritual and powerful truth. And so today we are in Luke chapter 12, and it is a, it is a short parable, and I, I just want to jump into it today. It's only six verses, and, and we're going to be looking at some other passages as well, but I, I want to jump right into the text this morning and uh, let Jesus speak to us and God's Word speak to us and to our lives. How many believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Amen. So let's jump right in this morning. Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 35 to 40. Jesus says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. We're going to explain all of this in a minute. So that they may open the door to him and at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third, that's talking about the the graveyard shift, you know, that, that he stayed out really late. And he says, and he finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, help us to stay dressed for action and to be ready. Lord, we believe and know that you are returning. Lord, I pray that when you do return, Lord, if we are still here to meet you, that you will find us active, that you will find us ready, that you will find us busy working for you and working in your kingdom. Lord, thank you for your word. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. What this short parable is talking about is the second coming of Christ, the return of Jesus from heaven to earth. Now, I have three simple points from this passage that I want to share with you today. And we're going to be looking at the big picture of Jesus' second coming. There's certainly some finer points of, you know, details and timelines that we could get into, uh, but I don't want to put everybody to sleep today, and I don't want to have to get out, you know, my 40-foot chart of a timetable of what's going to take place first and rapture and tribulation and pre-trib and no-trib and a-trib and millennium and all the kinds of... We're not going to be getting into that today. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank God. We're going to be looking at the big picture today. The big picture. Because sometimes the big picture can get lost in the weeds a little bit. So what what we're going to look at is the, the things that Jesus communicated to us in this 
parable, the big picture of his second coming. And I've got three points for us to look at today. And the first one, and this is me being Captain Obvious today, but it it needs to be said. The first point is this. Jesus is coming again. Amen. This is, this is the big point, that, that he is returning from heaven to earth. And, and this is something that's not, it's not just here in this passage, it's actually all over the place in the New Testament. And so I'm going to read to you from the book of Acts, chapter 1. And this is when Jesus goes from, uh, returns to heaven and he leaves his disciples behind. I want to read this passage to you, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. It says, when they had come together, and that's Jesus and his disciples, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has set in place by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That was their hometown. In all Judea and Samaria, that was their surrounding region. And to the ends of the earth, that's the nations, that God's people are called to be witnesses for Christ everywhere they are. And he said, verse 9, when he had said these things, as they were looking at him, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. A cloud in the, in the Bible is a picture of God's manifest presence and glory. That God's glory and presence came down in a cloud and received Jesus up into heaven. And so they, they, Jesus is there teaching. And he begins taking an elevator from earth to heaven, except there's no elevator. And Jesus just goes up and a cloud takes him into heaven. And so they're all just standing there, right? I mean, my, my jaw would be, you know, on the floor. This is incredible. I've never seen anything like that. You would have never, right? Like, that usually doesn't happen when Jesus is teaching. So what are we supposed to do? So they're just standing there watching. And then behold, two, it says uh, in verse 10, while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, these are angels, and said to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? And I would say, you know, because Jesus just like floated up into the sky, elevator with no elevator, hot air balloon with no hot air, but like, like this is amazing, this is why we're looking there. But what the point that they're making is, look, he told you to do something. Don't just stand around waiting for him to come back. You need to be doing something. That's the point that they're making. But listen, he says this, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is something that the Bible makes abundantly clear. Jesus is coming again. He is returning to establish his kingdom here on the earth forever and ever and ever and ever. When he returns, the Bible says he will judge the world of sin and evil 
completely removing evil, casting Satan and demons into hell forever. Amen. A world without evil, a world without the effects of sin or sin, a world without brokenness or pain or sorrow. It says that Jesus will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more pain, no more death, no more funerals, amen. No more hospitals, no more sickness, no more disease, no more fights in the car on the way to church, right? No more arguing about the temperature at church or the sound or, listen, all of that will be gone. And Jesus, we will live in God's presence as God's people with God's blessing forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. This is what the Bible says is in the future, is coming when Christ returns. There will be no more at the checkout line at HEB and non-sufficient funds, right? There, there will be no more like rear-ending on 410 and traffic and like all of these things will be no more. The Bible actually says there will be no more night. I don't even know if we're going to have to sleep anymore. Like, how awesome would that be? Wouldn't that be so awesome to never get tired? Some of you are thinking, man, it'd be nice to be asleep right now. Did you get enough sleep last night? Like, like, like you know, it's so, it's so incredible. Like, Every single day, like we just wear out. We have to close our eyes for eight hours or six hours or five or whatever it is, or we will die. The Bible says there'll be no more night. It'd be incredible. Wouldn't that be amazing? This is, anyway, Christ is returning. We can't miss this point. Jesus is coming again. The second point that Jesus makes is that we do not know when he is returning. He is coming again, and we don't know when that will be. In verse 40, he says, you also must be ready for the Son of Man, that is Jesus, is coming at an hour that you do not expect. We do not know when Christ is returning in acts chapter 1 verse 7 the disciples asked jesus they said are you going to establish the kingdom now jesus says it's not for you to know these things that the father has fixed by his own authority in matthew chapter 24 um, actually matthew all of matthew chapter 24 and 25 is jesus teaching about his second coming but in Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses 29, no, not 29, Matthew 24, 36. Matthew 24, 36, Jesus says, but concerning that day, the day of his coming and hour, no one knows. Say no one. No, no one. No one knows when Christ is returning. Not even the angels in heaven. God didn't pull Gabriel aside and say, hey, you know, mark this on your calendar, circle it real big, Gabriel. Like, this is when I'm coming back. No, not even the angels know. 
And he goes on to say, not even the Son of Man knows, but the Father only. And then he says, this is what it's going to be like when I return. He says, you remember that story in the Old Testament, Noah, where Noah built the ark and then the flood came? He says, that's what it's going to be like when I return. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. He says, look, people are just going to be going about their regular lives, day in, day out, just, just doing the, going through the motions, the regular routine of life. It's just going to be like any other day. People are going to wake up. They're going to go brush their teeth. They're going to get ready for work. They're going to go sit in traffic. They're going to wonder if they should stop, if they've got time to get coffee on the way to work. They're going to wonder and worry about being late. And they're going to, it's just a regular day, like any other day. People are going to be going through the motions and, and focusing on things that they think are important. But just like when the flood came, so it will be when Jesus returns. That there's coming a point when Jesus returns where like it was in Noah's day where you could enter into the ark, but then God shut the door. And once God had shut the door, there was not a point for anybody else to be able to enter in and be saved and so right now we live in a time where people can be saved amen. amen the ark is actually a picture of the church and that if you will be a part of jesus church by faith in christ then you will be saved amen. and the door right now is open but he says that it, it will be like the flood people will not be expecting it people will not be getting up and saying hey it looks like it's going to rain today i think i need to go get in that ark with that crazy guy noah people aren't going to wake up and and say hey you know what i think i think jesus is coming back today i must i better get right with god today because it it looks like jesus is coming back no it's not going to be like that it's going to be like any other regular boring mundane day and then Jesus will return listen thousands and thousands of people have predicted the return of Christ they've said Jesus is coming back on this day and let me tell you every single one of them has been wrong amen if anyone ever tells you that they know when Christ is returning, don't listen to another word that they say. They are a false teacher. They are delusional. They are self-deceived. They are crazy. They might be demon-possessed. Do not listen to anyone who tells you that they know when Christ is returning also don't listen to anyone who tells you that they are Christ returned to the earth we all laugh but so many people are deceived by these things 
You don't know you're deceived. You don't know you're in a cult until the last day. They start passing around Jello or Kool-Aid or something. I mean, you don't know until they, you know, here, come and drink the Kool-Aid. Oh, man, I'm in a cult. Shoot. Look, (laughs) if you don't know the word of God, Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour. Jesus says, many false Christs, many false messiahs will come and say that they are me returned. Don't believe him, he says. Jesus, the Bible tells us when Jesus returns, he will be coming in the clouds of glory with the host of heaven. There won't be any mistaking that this is a worldwide event. Amen. David, Brother David was telling us this morning during worship that every eye will see and every knee will bow before Jesus Christ when he returns. You won't be having to say, is this guy really Jesus? No. The Bible says that he will have eyes of fire and actually a sword that comes out of his mouth, the word of God. It's going to be insane. Anyway, we don't know when he's returning. That's the second point. So point number one, Jesus is coming again. Point number two, we don't know when. And point number three is why Jesus is telling us these things is that we must, therefore, stay ready. We must stay ready for Christ's return. And so I want to ask you today, are you ready? If today is the day that Jesus returns, are you ready? Amen, I hope you're ready. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Or is this something that you're looking forward to with great hope and great anticipation and great excitement? Or is this something where you're like, oh no, I'm on the fence. I, I hope if the wind blows the right way when Jesus returns, it knocks me onto the right side. Are you worried? Are you afraid? Do you not know where you stand with God today? Listen, we have to be ready at all times, at all moments. Listen, the the only way to be ready is to have your sins forgiven through faith and repentance. Through faith in Christ and repentance of sin. The Bible says if you believe or if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be ready. Now, I'm going to ask you again, how many of you are ready for Jesus to return? Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus here in this parable, he uses the example of a, of a master who, who goes on a trip or a journey, or in, in this case, he went out to a wedding feast, he went out to a party, and it says that he has some servants whose job, they're the watchmen, it's their job to open the door when he returns. They're to guard the door, the entrance to the master's house. And so Jesus says that, that his servants must be ready at any time when he returns, that he might stay out really late. It might be a long time before he returns, is what he's saying. 
And what he's saying is that we, as his people, should not fall asleep on the job. That we, as his people, that we have a job to do waiting for him to return. And so Jesus, he starts this parable by saying, stay dressed for action. Stay dressed for action. What, what this is saying is like when you get up and you go to work, especially if you have some sort of formal job, maybe if you're like a police officer, like we have two police officers who, who are, they're on duty, uh, with, they're off duty, but we hire them and they're here to watch us and to protect us while they're here. And so they come dressed for action, right? They have their uniform on. When they're off duty, they go home and I imagine they, you know, take the belt off and take the uniform off. They probably don't sleep in their bulletproof vest and I don't imagine that's comfortable. What Jesus is saying is that we always have to live with the mentality as Christians that we are always on duty, staying ready, staying dressed for action. That, that it's, you know, when we get home in the evening, when I get home from work, I, I typically, the first thing I do after I kiss my wife and spank my children, I mean, hug my children, um, get home and, you know, shower love on my family, I head upstairs and I get into some comfy clothes. How many of you do that when you get home from work, right? I mean, it's just, some of you who work from home, you never get out of your comfy clothes and that's, God bless you, anyway. But we, we get home and we get comfortable. And what happens when you get comfortable? What's the next thing that comes? You, re, you start to relax, right? You go and lay out on the couch, flip on the news or flip on ESPN or just, you know, relax, take a load off. And then what comes next? You're asleep. What Jesus is saying is that we cannot, as his people, fall asleep. That we have a job to do. That through the monotony of life, going through the, the day in and the day out of, of life, that it cannot lull us into falling asleep in the kingdom work that we have to do while we're here on the earth. And so Jesus says, look, even, you know, the, the master, even if he returns late into the third or fourth watch, that's into the 3 a.m. and the 6 a.m., that he expects to find that servant dressed, ready for action, on duty. And so it is with us. We must stay ready. We must stay active we must not get comfortable in this life, in this world that is passing away, the Bible tells us. That we have to stay on guard. We must keep working and keep laboring in God's kingdom. Verse 40, Jesus says, you must also be ready. In Acts 1.8, it said, we're to be his witnesses until he returns. Now, some people will object, and they will say, look, they will say, I don't believe in Christ. I don't believe in his return. If Christ was going to return, he would have come by now. What's he waiting for? Have you ever heard anybody say anything like that? 
I don't believe that Jesus is returning. It's been 2019 years. What's taking him so long? Did he get lost? Does he need GPS to come and find earth? What, what, where, what's his deal? Well, actually, I want to read to you a passage from 2 Peter chapter 3 today. 2 Peter chapter 3 addresses this issue, this issue of Christ's delay. And actually, in this parable, we see that Jesus says, it might be a while before I come back. It might be into the third or the fourth watch. It could be a long time before he returns. Now, what Peter has to say, and he addresses this, so 2 Peter chapter 3 Peter says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of a reminder. How many of you know sometimes we need to be reminded of things from time to time? This is what he says that we should be remembering. He says, you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles that we should be remembering the instructions that Jesus gave and that the prophets predict about his return. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days, people who make fun of Christ and his return, and that they will, following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? Where is this Jesus that, that you guys, you Christians, have been saying he's going to return for, for 2,000 years? Where is he? If he's coming, why isn't he coming back? Peter predicts that th there's going to be people like that who come. And they will say things like this. Ever since the foundation of the earth, that the earth just continues on as it was from the beginning. It, it just keeps going forward. The Christ is not returned. Let's skip down to verse 8. But for us, Peter says, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. He's saying, look, you can't forget that God does not count time the same way that we do. For God, a thousand years is like that. A thousand years is like a day to God. God exists in eternity God exists outside of time. God is not constrained by time. So it, 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 first and foremost, we have to remember that, look, God doesn't count time the same way that we do. But then he goes on to say the reason why uh, Christ is delaying his return. He says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, slowness the promise is the promise of his return, but the Lord is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is why the Lord is waiting. He would love to come back right now, but he's patient, not wanting any to perish. And he's extending opportunity and grace. We live in an age of grace. We live in a time in the days of Noah where he was building the ark and preaching righteousness and saying, you better get on the boat or you're going to be swept away. And they all laughed and said, yeah, right, you crazy man. What are you doing building a boat in the middle of the land? 
listen, we are like Noah saying, look, there's an age of grace. There's, a, there's an opportunity for you to get right with God. There's an opportunity to have your sins forgiven. There's an opportunity to be saved from the judgment of God against sin that is coming. That is why God is delaying, because God is not willing, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And then Peter says, he asks this question, which is a really profound question. He says, since all of these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He says that we need to be active In this time that we have, we don't know how much time it is. We do know that he's returning, that God's people need to have this mindset of people who are on duty always, 24-7, looking for opportunities to share our faith, to witness, to, to call people to faith in Christ and repentance of sin, because our time is short. We don't know when he is returning. We do know why he has delayed. He is patient, holding out and offering for people to turn to him and repent, holding open the door of salvation, extending grace. And if you're here today and you say, I don't know if I'm right with God. Listen, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to turn from your life of sin and to turn to Christ Jesus for forgiveness, to put your faith in Jesus who shed his blood, who died in your place for your sin, who rose again to give you new life. Today is the day to make your life right with God, to put your faith in Jesus. We don't know what tomorrow will bring So then knowing this, knowing that this is the reason why Jesus' return is delayed, it helps us to understand what Jesus means by saying, stay dressed for action. Always be ready. Paul says we need to always be ready to give a defense for the hope that we have. You know, because we are Christians and because we believe that Jesus is returning, because we believe that when he returns, he's going to make everything right that's ever been wrong, Christians should be the most optimistic people on planet Earth. Amen? We shouldn't just be glass half full. We should be glass over full and overflowing. Amen? Like, 
we, we, you know, what, what we have to go through to, to make it there, I, we don't know, but when we get there, it's going to be awesome. And so we should be optimistic people. We should be hopeful people. And so Paul says that since we're so full of hope for the future that we have, that when people ask us, why are you so full of hope? We say, well, of course, because Jesus is going to return and he's going to fix everything. Amen. That we're able to give a defense for our faith, that we're always ready, always active. The other thing that Paul tells us that, that staying active is that we, we have the mindset and the mentality of soldiers, that we don't entangle ourselves in, 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 in trivial affairs, but that we stay laser-focused on the task at hand. And we live in a day and age where God's people, you and I, we're presented with so many opportunities for distractions. So many opportunities for things to distract us from the mission, to distract us from uh, being active for God and staying dressed for action. So many things that are not evil, they're just not the main thing. And, and we need to, at this point in human history, God's people more than ever need to be focused on what really matters. Because when Jesus returns, let me tell you what's not gonna matter anymore. How many people liked that post that you posted on Facebook? That's not gonna matter. It's not gonna matter. So many of the things that we, we end up becoming distracted by. You know what else isn't gonna matter? Whether you made it through the final season of The Office on Netflix or not, not gonna matter. Or whatever TV show that you're binge watching at the moment, not gonna matter. You know what else is not gonna matter? How the end of days of our lives turned out. And, and let me tell you, that show's not gonna end until Christ returns anyway. So, like, the last episode will be the day that Jesus returns. So you're never gonna figure out how it ends. Like, like we get so preoccupied and, and distracted by, by things that, that don't matter. And, and we as Christians, it's not that, you know, you know it's not that we, we go and live out on, in a monastery somewhere and go up on a, on a mountaintop and all wear brown robes and take a vow of silence. That's not what God has called us to do. Jesus said, uh, I'm, I'm not taking you out of the world. I'm sending you into the world. So it's okay if we know some of this stuff. It's okay if we watch the NBA playoffs or, or whatever but we need to not live our lives for those things. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference? Do you see that there's a big difference? And if, and if what is causing, uh, what is preoccupying our thought life and, and filling our soul is just earthly things, man, we need, a, we need a realignment. We need a realignment because we've been lulled into sleep. We're not staying dressed for action. We're not keeping that soldier mentality. If what's driving us and what's filling us and what's preoccupying us 
and what is our greatest source of joy is just some temporary earthly thing, we need a realignment. We, we need to refocus on the kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek ye first, what? The kingdom. And all these other things will be added unto you. And so it's not an issue of all or nothing. It's an issue of order. It's an issue of priorities. It's an issue of I'm seeking first the kingdom. And so a great way to, 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 to kind of evaluate yourself is how often do I think of Christ's return? How often do I think about that? How often do I meditate on that? Brother David this morning said, think about what it will be like with every knee bowing. Did you see that picture in your mind? When was the last time you thought about that? Has it been a while? Listen, we are to be living for that day. Amen. And so living in light of the return of Christ, living for that day should influence every other day that we live as God's people. And I'm not saying this by way of discouragement or to condemn you or to condemn anyone. That's not my heart today. I want to encourage you as God's people. We have a job to do. Amen. We have a job to do in this community. We have a job to do in this city. We have a job to do in the world, as Jesus has called us to, to impact the nations with this message. And who, if not us, is going to share the gospel? If not us, who's going to share the gospel? If not you, who will share the gospel with your family? Who will share the gospel with your coworker? Who will share the gospel with your loved ones and your friends? If not you, then who will it be? God has called you. It's not just me. It's not just the pastor or the elders or the ministers or the people on the stage. He's called all of his people to stay active and to stay ready. Amen. And so pray and ask God for opportunities, and I know that he will give them to you. And so Peter, he asks us this question, knowing that everything in this world will one day burn up, how should we be living? What should we be investing our life and our resources into? That house you're living in, one day, poof, it's going to go up. That car that you, oh, if I could only get that car that's now broken down and you're having to take to get fixed all the time, one day, it's going to burn, and you might be happy about that. <laughs> you'll be out there with the lighter fluid in the match. You see Jesus return, and you'll just set the car on fire. Look, the, all of it's going to go up in smoke. Everything. But one thing will last, and that's souls for the kingdom. So point number one, Jesus is returning. Amen. Point number two, we don't know when, but point number three, we must stay ready. Either by getting right with God, if you're not a Christian today, put your faith in Jesus. Become a Christian today. And if you are a Christian, by living a life of faithful service unto him until he returns. So I need to ask you again, are you ready? I want to close today with this little poem it's called One, Only One Life. It's by a man named C.T. Studd. 
It says this, two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or for his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say t'was worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last.